The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew this week for our game-by-game NFL DFS preview. This show and all the shows on this podcast are sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Promo code GRID is going to get you a free wager inside of their Pick'em game. So just, you know, nice and easy. You go into the Pick'em game, you make your five uh, Pick'em parlays, and you, you spin it up. Uh, I, I have not won one of these, uh, one of these 20 X wagers yet, but I will tell you, it is like the funnest thing for me to do for Sunday night football and Monday night football right now. Like it is so much better than agonizing over like Josh Oliver versus Byron Pringle in, in showdown. Like the pickups <laughs> are so much better. Uh, so I would encourage everyone to get to, uh, to that sweat, the yeah. underdog fantasies in the description of the show. But- Maybe not quite as fun when you're sweating Davis Mills over under 13.6 fantasy points, but uh, it'll be a, it'll be an ugly one this Thursday, but I think we got a pretty good main slate ahead of us. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's, I call, I call the, the slates. You, you don't watch the game. I call those apple picking slates. You know, the, those are the family <laughs> time slates. So Thursday night, uh, maybe I'll put the game on the iPad, but I'm definitely not going to demand the, uh, the living room TV for, for Texans Panthers. Um, so it is, it is an interesting slate. We have, um, you know, a couple teams with, with relatively high totals. We also have some huge mismatch games, which is always pretty interesting for DFS slates when there are like multiple games with like 10 or uh, 10 point spreads or higher, because, you know, if those games randomly turn competitive, a lot of the times they do end up swinging the slate. And I think actually our first game is one of those. It is the the Kansas City Chiefs are playing at home to the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers uh, are, are almost should be zero and zero and two. Um, you know they they uh, they got lucky against the Washington Football Team. Antonio Gibson fumbles the ball to on what would have probably been the game winning drive. And to be honest, they looked pretty bad for the most part against the Cowboys um you know Herb Herbert looks amazing but he's not running um which is I I I was listening to JJ Zacharyson's podcast this morning and he was basically making the point that Herbert is not running they're not giving him the goal line touches because they're giving Eckler goal line touches now which is like a nice surprise in one direction but Herbert's kind of just like a very middling quarterback too right now like there's not a ton to differentiate him from like Baker Mayfield from a projection perspective right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's true. I even over the course of last year, I think it was, he was like a 15 to 17% market share of rush guy. So um, I'm not sure it's too different from that, but I guess the red zone usage. Yeah. The football team game. I mean, they did the, the football team gave it away, but they also got gifted like a, a turnover fumble. That was a, clearly a forward pass. So I think the Chargers um, still are fine. This is one of the highest 
I think probably the highest total on the slate, probably it the is. most competitive game too. You have a couple teams that might have totals up near like 29 or 30, but they're like 10 point favorites. So I think this should be one of the more competitive games, but uh, as much fun as the passing attack is, I feel like the first starting point of the conversation is just Clyde Edward Tolaire, what to do with his price. And then also some uncertainty around his projection this week. It's, it's, um, so- I hate to give soccer Dave credit, but he calls this the DraftKings social experiment pricing where <clears throat> they take a, a theoretically good player who's just in a huge run of bad results and they just kill their price. They, they do this in baseball all the time with starting pitchers. Um, so this is my, my thought. Clyde I don't want to throw you under the bus, but you were, you were shook about Clyde I shook. I'm not even was shook. I am shook. So, so these are some things that I see in the range of outcomes. One, they keep Clyde in his role, but they just don't trust him with anything high leverage, no third down targets, no goal line carries, and he just is he he's Peyton Barber, right? Like literally he might get 15 carries, but they might literally all be in between the 20 yard lines, which is not ideal. And that would um that's hard to work with from a projections perspective because we could give him, you know, 60% of the team's rushes or 55%, but then he's probably picking up too much touchdown equity. And the Chiefs have eight passes thrown to the running backs through two weeks. And that looks, you know, maybe some of that was the game script against the Ravens, but it, it does seem intentional to me because they just don't have any running back who is deserving of targets right now. So CH comes Sunday morning, he might end up looking good from the projections, but I just, I have a very hard time playing him. Yeah. And it's tough fumbling the last play of the game for the chiefs ending up costing them that game but if you were to take that one play away you're still looking at a guy who's got like 66 percent of the backfield touches on the on the season uh but yeah less than five percent of the team's targets are not throwing the ball to him so um i i think we got to see where the public stands here on ceh come sunday before we decide if he's a good or bad play Um, my my guess is he gets late steam my guess is that all week people are talking about how they don't want to play him and then they get to sunday morning and uh, specifically if Dalvin Cook does play and Alexander Madison is not a salary relief option, I can see people really flooding to him as a salary relief play. Yeah. Are, are you looking to the, I mean, Tyreek Hill, probably the highest raw ceiling of any, any player right now, just like could put up 40 points. Um, are you looking at the passing game here? Mecole Hardman also saw, he's seen like 17 and a half percent of the team's targets through two weeks even projecting him for 15%, definitely the type of player you can include on a Mahomes double stack. Yeah, I mean, Hardman Hardman and Robinson, because we think that this is going to be a pretty competitive game. We saw, I mean, through through two games, the Chiefs look like the Chiefs, right? Like they are, mm-hmm. they are uh, airing it out. The offensive line looks a little bit better. So I, I think that Mahomes double stacks using Hardman, Robinson with one of Tyreek or Kelsey. I mean, we saw it last week, right? Tyreek, I think I had like five and a half DK points or whatever. So most weeks probably uh, Hill and Kelsey, you know, have, have the, the biggest possible games, but you know, maybe four times this season, we get a result of what we saw with that Ravens game where, where one of, of Tyreek or Kelsey has a bad game. The other guys end up having a bigger game. Probably the, the most interesting thing about this game to me is well the first is does austin eckler's target share hold and then the second one is the pricing gap between keenan allen and mike williams has vanished keenan allen 
6,600, Mike Williams, 6,400. And even with that price gap, I think I prefer Mike Williams. Oh man. I, I mean, I feel like you got to go with Keenan Allen here um, just because the, the body of work in the offense and it's just been so consistent, like a 28 to 30% target share guy. And definitely optimistic on Mike Williams coming into the season. And we probably hit like the, the upper end that you could possibly hope for as far as his like two week range of outcomes. Um, so I, I think it's hard to buy Mike Williams over Keenan Allen. The reason why, the reason why I would be tempted, I would be uh, not even why I would be, why I am tempted is it feels like Mike Williams is going to be the touchdown score. Keenan Allen has never been a touchdown score. You know, Keenan Allen's been in the NFL for like eight years and has never had a double digit season. And Mike Williams had 11 touchdowns his second year. Actually, Mike Williams' best career game. I was at it. It was at Arrowhead. He scored, he scored three touchdowns. It was, uh, and, and, uh, also scored a two point conversion. Yeah. Like, and he's the I touchdown mean, guy. He definitely profiles that too, but I, I think you, you're still seeing like two touchdowns through two games, like a bullish Mike Williams season, maybe scores eight or 10 touchdowns. Keenan Allen's still going to get in the end zone. So both those guys have an equal target share in the red zone. And I think over the course of the season, that evens out a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you like Mike Williams, I think the the field will still hang on to Keenan. Like they're not going to bail on him uh, just after two weeks. So, yep. All right, uh, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh, pretty low total game, forty four points. The Bengals. So the it, it's it's kind of weird that the Bengals wide receivers, uh, specifically Chase and Higgins, seem like maybe like decent cash plays or whatever. But the the offense has not been high volume, twenty seven and thirty passing attempts in their two games burrow looks a little bit banged up ben roethlisberger is apparently dealing with this pectoral injury that's going to limit how much he throws you know Najee naji scored the touchdown last week as the bailout um I, this game just does not seem appealing to me i mean maybe maybe um one of claypool or smith schuster ends up looking a little bit more appealing if deontay johnson doesn't play we, we don't have a good update on what's up with his knee but this this game just seems gross yeah, and I, I think the like the Bengals pass rate is so far below expectations to start the season too, and that's probably the biggest concern. I know we were optimistic coming in that they might be a high volume offense and a high volume passing attack, and definitely haven't seen that. Not sure how much of that is offensive line oriented. Not sure how much of that is trying to pr- protect Joe Burrow or ease him back in, but we're definitely not seeing what we expected to see out of the Bengals offense. You're still seeing some pretty talented in some ceiling games from the wide receivers, but just overall it's been harder to support the, the stacking of their games that they're playing in. And I think the Steelers D is, is definitely one of the strongest defensive plays. Uh, Joe Burrow's taken nine sacks already through two weeks and that's on less than 60 dropbacks. So um, definitely a good spot for the Steelers D I think in this spot. The rare, the rare early week DST take. I mean, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it it's definitely a little tougher. Like they're, spots. yeah, they're, they're, t- they're high price, but I think this is definitely going to be one of the teams that we're looking to attack throughout the next yeah. few weeks. Uh, another game. I, I literally have no interest in the Washington football team against the Buffalo bills. I mean, maybe McLaurin as, um, as a one-off or whatever. I mean, we, we still have a pretty strong projection on Josh Allen, but he has looked uh, more like 2019 Josh Allen 
through two weeks, the, the deep ball, he's been struggling to connect with those. I I'm still licking my wounds from playing Emmanuel Sanders last week. I mean, Diggs Diggs will remain a good one off and a 27 point team total is, is not nothing, but I just, this, this game just feels like it's going to be a slog. Like it, it, you know, just not great. Yeah. I mean, it definitely feels like that the football team um, playing relatively slow too. And I don't know. I mean, I guess the, the team total supports the fact that Josh Allen should be in play. Steph Diggs is projected for single digit ownership and they still have a team total of 27. Daniel Dimes just put up like whatever, 25, 30 fantasy points against them. Um, so I feel like I'm going to end up trying to get some exposure to Josh Allen and Diggs stacks. Um, but I, I do agree. Like my, my gut is not super interested in this game. Yeah. Um, I mean, McLaurin, I, like he's just priced yeah. up. Like he's six and a half. He's priced like a, I mean, he is an alpha wide receiver for them, but he's priced like an alpha wide receiver on a team with a 24 or 27 point total. I just can't really get there this week. Yeah. All right. right Antonio uh, Gibson. I mean, he just is like, not, not when he's in this role, right? Not, not when we know that McKissick is playing this role. Yeah, I mean, he, he lost the, the two-minute drill, but he's still been targeted through two weeks. And like 5,900, the pricing feels tight this week. And that's why I was at least a little bit interested. I feel like you're going to have to go with um, some value selections. You're definitely going to have to punt one of the wide receiver spots, probably attached to a game stack if you want to fit in anybody who's more expensive. So that's why I was curious about Gibson. Yeah. So the next game, I, I actually think this is a fascinating game. Uh, from from a, a real life perspective and a, a DFS perspective, because we have the Arizona Cardinals at the Jacksonville Jaguars. We have DeAndre Hopkins, who's third on the Cardinals in targets. Uh, Max Williams randomly shows up with like 95 receiving yards last week. Ron Moore is crushing on limited snaps. He's priced all the way up at 5,000. AJ Green is still left down there. I mean, 4,500 is is not nothing. Edmonds, they they priced him up a little bit. But the reason why I, I think it's interesting is so Tannehill has this awful game, uh, you know, a, a against the Cardinals defense, but Kirk Cousins has this huge, super efficient game. Trevor Lawrence is priced at 5,500. The line suggests we're probably going to have some garbage time in this game, right? Very similar to that, to that week one game against the Houston Texans. I mean, our, our Trevor Lawrence double stacks with shark and Marvin Jones. I mean, they left Marvin Jones at 4,900. I, I we have pretty big projections on Marvin Jones this week. I, I, and yeah. I, I, I just nuked him a little bit. I, I, I tweaked his touchdown rate was way too high. I, I looked at his touchdown rate and it was at like nine and a half percent of his receptions or whatever. So that was too high. Uh, but I, I, I moved him down and he still is, is hitting optimals. LaVisca is dealing with a shoulder injury. Doesn't sound like he's going to miss any time, but he, Urban Myers really keyholed LaVisca in, in this offense. Um, but I, I'm very interested in this game from a DFS perspective. Yeah, I mean, Marvin Jones was the guy who stood out just opening the slate, like 10, 20 targets, sorry, through two weeks, averaging 10 targets a week, 25% of the team's targets, uh, spike week as far as target share last week, and a guy that we expected to have a role coming in. And then in training camp, he was being projected as the number one wide receiver in the offense. And that's kind of come to fruition. So uh, I agree with you. Marvin Jones probably not priced where he needs to be this week. I, I guess I just can't quite get there with Trevor Lawrence. And it's just the overall Jags offense in general. 
And um, I, unlike, I mean, Kirk Cousins, I think you you saw several of these, like eight, nine, ten of these games last year from Kirk Cousins because they have Dalvin Cook. Don't really see the same situation with the Jags. And so I'm not quite as interested in it as you are. Uh, I think the pricing, it's tough to get to the Kyler Nuke stacks. That's obviously one of the top projected stacks every week. But this week, it feels like the pricing is just a little bit tougher to get there. And uh, the other tertiary well, guys... And, but- like but it feels like people are going to play $5,000 Rondell more. And if you think so, I don't think so. No, I, I, I bet, I bet that I bet Rondell will be over our ownership projection that we have for him. And, and Hopkins will be close to what his is. Yeah. So I just don't think that people are willing to jump on Rondell more at 5k that quickly, just because you're not going to, I mean, Marvin Jones is going to outproject him on all on every site just because it's going to be impossible especially with nuke and the offense and people expecting nuke preseason to be a 26 30 percent target share it's going to be impossible for people to project rondo more for more than like 18 20 percent of targets even if they're super bullish and i just don't think projections are going to put him there at 5k so i, I bet he is less than 10 percent owned for sure this week maybe maybe close to five I, I think the I think the move for this game is Trevor Lawrence, DJ Shark, Marvin Jones, and then bring it back with DeAndre Hopkins. I, I might run that. I might run that as um, one of my single entry teams. I, I don't have any interest in uh, James Robinson. I know he got he James Robinson got more usage last week, but I I don't care. I mean, it just feels like just feels yeah. like they're gonna chuck the ball. And, he, and he's fifty seven hundred, so it's not like he's been priced too far down um maybe it'll be optimistic for him moving forward if carlos Hyde doesn't but it's been two weeks so i'd rather wait and see another week yeah uh all right weirdly enough this looks like a very high profile dfs game the atlanta falcons playing at the new york giants we have um really strong projections on daniel jones really strong projections on saquon barkley i i think we uh i I need to look at this i think we might be a little bit low on Sterling Shepard. I, I think you could make an argument to move his target share up. The reason why his target share is down relative to what it's been is I am projecting Evan Ingram to be back and fully healthy this week, but they, uh, one Ingram might not play and two Ingram might be in uh, a limited capacity in his first game back. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's fair. Like Shepard 28% of the targets through the opening weeks runs out of the slot a lot. Those would be some of the reps that or the targets that Ingram would eat away at a bit if he's back and healthy, but um, I, I tend to agree that this game should be one of the more popular ones. I mean, Saquon Barkley, I think will be one of the highest owned running backs on the slate 6,500. There were concerns coming into the season about his workload. Those showed up in week one, but even on the short week in week two against the football team, he ended up seeing a much higher than expected usage. And now with 10 days of rest or whatever, before this game, it seems like, you're going to get like the bell cow treatment from Saquon Barkley. And I think he'll be right up there with Najee Harris, as far as just overall um, ownership is, you know, a 6k running back that could potentially see all the team's carries and targets. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew needs to update this, uh, this ownership projection because it's, it's too low. I I think he'll be the highest owned running back in the slate Uh, on the Atlanta side. uh, Certainly I am not interested in playing, Mike Davis, given how much better Corderell Patterson has looked for him. And we have not seen Wayne Gallman be active yet. I wonder if this is going to be the week where, where Gallman is active, but even if he isn't, uh, I, I think Ridley at seven K just looks like a huge buy spot for him. I mean, seven Cal, you know, Calvin Ridley's not a seven K player. 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think they've been quiet enough through the first couple of weeks too. And not that Ridley will go completely overlooked, but I do think got him about 10% optimal lineup percentage. I do think he'll be less owned than that. Playing him as a one-off, a lot of upside, definitely one of the guys that can go, you know, eight for a hundred plus yards and two touchdowns. So I like to read the Ridley call. I'm kind of struggling with what to do with Daniel Jones, just because quarterback is tough this week. If you are going to play up, pay up for some of these alphas it's it's tough to do and daniel jones is just 5800 not a guy that i think you have to to double stack but he has shown a ton of rushing upside in the past obviously you'd be buying the ceiling a little bit off the game against the football team but um pretty strong case for daniel jones i think with a 26 point team total and a price tag of just 5800 yeah daniel jones sterling shepherd calvin ridley bring back bada bing bada boom and and pitts too i mean pitts has been disappointing through two games, but the snaps and the targets have been there. And I think, you know, eventually if Matt Ryan is not completely cooked, I think people who are playing pits are going to be rewarded. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens at the Detroit lions. I, 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 so right now we have Lamar Jackson projected uh, as the highest scoring quarterback of the slate, other than Patrick Mahomes. And honestly, it, it might be low. I, I think Lamar, might just absolutely gash the the lions in this spot. Like it just feels like uh, a place for him to, to lose his mind. Um, and, and Mark, and he's stackable too, because Marquise Brown like looks legit. Like, like honestly, for the first time in his career, he looks like a real NFL wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, Sammy Watkins has been decently utilized True. as yeah. well and Mark Andrews. So if you're going to MME, you definitely have a few different options that you can kind of wheel through your single stacks with Lamar. Another case where you're probably buying the ceiling, like he's probably not going to have to be as involved as late in the game as he was versus Kansas city. And he did put up what, like two touchdowns, 50 yards rushing in the second half of the third quarter, the fourth quarter of that game. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, yeah, like Lamar, like people are going to want to play Kyler this week. And if Kyler at 8,200 ends up taking more ownership than Lamar, I, I like if, if we get to, if we get this Sunday morning and Lamar is like five, if I think Lamar is going to be like five and a half percent owned or something in some of these single entries, I, I might go that way. And by the way, I I'm cool playing Lamar naked too, or, or Lamar with Marquise Brown and no bringbacks. Cause the, the Detroit guys, it's, it's, you know, Cephas looks like the number one wide receiver, Maybe. I mean, but, but yeah, it's just like, who knows? Like it, it could be Trinity Benson this week. I mean, Hawkinson is Hawkinson at 5,200 would be the bringback you'd use. I think. Yeah, it's just pretty expensive too for Hawkinson. And he did see 25% target share last week. But uh, again, team total of 21 for Detroit, not overly bullish. And I wouldn't force the bring back there because I think it's uh, probably suboptimal from a pricing perspective. And it's a Kelsey slate. So you're either, oftentimes you're either looking to pay up Kelsey or punt the position entirely. So uh, Detroit, not interested in in any of their players. I think the what wide about- receivers... Like Tyrell Williams could come back this week and that could remove Quintus Cephas. And so, I mean, DeAndre Swift, I guess, would be the one potential guy. I would probably prefer to play him at 5,800 over Hawkinson at 5,100. What about, what about Tyson? If, if the Ravens are just playing downhill all game, I mean, is this a hundred yard, two touchdown spot? I mean, I guess probably not because Latavius just gets all the goal line work. Yeah, it's just it. so. I mean, Lamar is going to take 30, 35% of the, the rushes for the team just every week, regardless. And then you have Tyson, Latavius, who kind of are splitting it behind that. Devontae Freeman was involved a little bit. I think he'll, he'll have like three or five carries. 
it just seems like there's no path really to Tyson getting 20 touches. Maybe you get like a 14 carry game and you have to break a long one and you have to get two touchdowns and the price is like 5,800. I'd be more interested in this type of play if it was like a $4,500 play. Yeah. All right. I I do not think there's one guy I want to play in New Orleans, New England. Uh, Maybe, maybe Damian Harris, maybe, maybe Damian Harris. Um, But he's, he's 5,600 is a, is a fine price for him, I guess, but that's it. I mean, this just feels like the grossest, like it is just not going to be a good game. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be a pretty bad game. Both teams feel like they're going to play slow, uh, especially on the New Orleans side and Damian Harris, what 65, 70% of the team's rushes a couple targets, but they're definitely using James white in the passing situations. And at that point on DraftKings, you're hoping for two touchdowns or the hundred yard bonus. Both of those seem more likely not to happen than happen. So Damian Harris is fine. Um, but not like a building block play this week. Like he was for me last week. Yeah. Well, I mean, he got the, he got the grown man touch. I mean, he could do it again, right? Damien Harris. He could, but I mean, it was a, it was a good game for him last week too, but it was still, I mean, against the jets, better spot. And it was still just fine. Like it was, you know, 16 points or whatever is fine, but it certainly wasn't enough to break open a slate for tournaments. Yeah. And none of these pass catchers on new Orleans look playable at all. It's, it's uh Real bad. Adam Troutman got a price decrease down to 2,900. Maybe, maybe the folks will, will go there. Uh, an actual interesting game. So Indianapolis at Tennessee. Uh, I mean, maybe you could say like, uh, you know, the, one of these wide receivers, Pittman or Pascal or whatever, but the, the actual interesting thing. So it's twofold for the Titans. It's one is AJ Brown going to realize that he has hands like is AJ Brown is AJ Brown going to finally stop sucking. And then two, Derrick Henry has like his last two games. He just got the most targets ever in back-to-back games. He's never, he's never had game. And and I know that it was a huge uh, catch-up effort against Seattle, but 10 targets in two games for Derrick Henry. I mean, that to me makes him a different category of player. Isn't it, isn't it pretty hilarious though? Like this guy has put up like 35 or 40 fantasy point performances, like four or five times a year for the past three years. Yeah. Now that he gets like three targets, people are are like, okay, he's definitely worth paying for it now. Yeah. I think it's pretty funny. Um, I mean, Derek Henry is obviously a great play. They have one of the highest totals on the slate. Like he's his 90th percentile projection is up near 40 points. That's almost Tyreek Hill territory. I'd rather pay up for Tyreek Hill than Derek Henry. If you're talking about just one spot where you can pay up. I'm curious how the field responds to what he did last week. Um, it was often when it was a Derrick Henry chalk week that we would look to pivot to AJ Brown. Uh, I'm more optimistic about AJ Brown than I am Julio Jones, who I'm worried will just have like a Corey Davis type season. And I, I just don't see, you know, the usage has been there for AJ Brown. The performance hasn't been great, but it hasn't been terrible through two weeks either. So I think it's a goodbye spot again for AJ Brown. Yeah. And, and, and Julio Jones. I mean, I think, I think both of them are, I think both of them are playable because the, the thesis is like the same price. Like I'm, I'm like viewing this, like I'm paying like the same price for Corey Davis as AJ Brown. And I I just don't, I just, I just don't think I can do it. I mean, the, the thesis behind the play is that Julio would be good while he's healthy, but that he would eventually start to break down and he hasn't even been on the injury report yet. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, Chicago at Cleveland. So 
this is a this there's a couple interesting spots here one is it looks like justin fields is going to get his first start he's priced at 5200 we have him projected for right about 25 percent of the team's rushing attempts he ran 10 times for 31 yards last week um you know if he runs for 50 yards and gets one touchdown whether it be rushing passing and throws for like 250 yards uh he he probably ends up as a as a fairly decent play i don't really i i don't like in tournaments i would not be stacking justin fields the other wrinkle in this game is that jarvis landry is out maybe odell beckham is not going to play we are projecting beckham in but maybe he doesn't if Beckham and Landry are both out, Austin Hooper is 3,600. Donovan Peoples-Jones is 3,000. Anthony Schwartz is 3,200. Um, you know, they have a 27-point team total. Is it all going to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? I mean, it might, but I feel like one of those guys ends up being a pretty good dart. I just, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. Do you think early in the week, Justin Fields in cash game consideration? Yeah. Yeah, um, because he because he just projects like such a strong. The thing is, yeah. is that he's so close to Daniel Jones, who's clearly in a better spot. Yeah, just a little bit safer too. But yeah, I think Levitan posted the stat earlier. Like Fields through the preseason games, about two games worth of reps, and put up twenty one carries for one hundred twenty three yards and touchdown. So, we, like we're looking at probably like a forty yard rushing projection um, floor to start. But uh, I'm just not sure the ceiling is massive which uh, so i'm kind of curious where like the that's why i was asking about cash like the cash meta often flows through the tournaments and a lot of people i could see single stacking justin fields in the spot but on the cleveland side i mean if you if you have odell beckham's probably gonna be back i guess question is is he gonna be back and jump right into a huge role or especially in this spot will they end up limiting him a little bit so um i don't know man I, you also have david njoku harrison bryant like all three of these tight ends have been utilized i mean they just like, they just love to throw the ball to their tight ends they just love like harrison bryant david and joku and austin hooper all getting targets and some of that is the fact that odell has not been playing i mean i i could see odell having just a, a crazy game here if he if he is healthy and he really just needed you know the the two extra weeks to get right no jarvis landry you know fields makes the bears a little bit more competitive than the line suggests like Beckham could have like 14 targets in this game and like some, some paths of it. Yeah. I guess I'm just concerned. Like none of these, not a single player on their team has more than eight targets through two weeks. So it's like, is the passing volume going to be there in this matchup? Probably not. Is there, is it magically going to concentrate all of a sudden on one player when it hasn't really been like that throughout the course of the season, even with Jarvis Landry theoretically being that guy. Probably not. So I feel like it just ends up distributed between these guys. And then you're just hoping to run into something. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's why we saw naked Baker winning stuff last week. It feels like you're potentially right. looking at Baker Mayfield in the spot and then potentially looking at Nick Chubb and probably not looking too much further beyond that. Yeah. I mean, Chubb 7,600, pretty good play in this spot. Um, I, which, you know, just don't seem to give him the ball enough. I guess like that's, it's, it's weird. Like he's yeah. not even, he's at what 30 touches, I think through two weeks. Um, you get the random troll by Demetric Felton last week. So yeah, it's just, it's definitely odd. Hey, he's good. Felton's well, good. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, he, he might be like, they're giving him the ball though. So it, yeah. it's weird. You have a 27 point total. I'm not super interested in anybody in this game. Yeah. All right. Miami at Las Vegas, Jacoby Brissett starting this game, right? As we were about to start doing the show, uh, Miami just announced that two is not going to play. Now, Will Fuller, we, we, 
tweaked it. We've been working on his projection because we don't really know what to expect. Yeah. I, I want to play Fuller in tournaments. Like I I'm looking at, I'm looking at $4,700 Will Fuller. And I'm like, that guy is the definition of like a good tournament bullet. Like we, we know that he, obviously he can make it on one catch, right? Like he can have the one, but, but also he just has these nuclear games in him. Cause he's so good at what he does. And it percent, it doesn't matter. Like, it's not like Brissett's like that much worse than what we've seen from Tua so far as a pro. So I, I think that our our fuller projection just feels fragile, I guess. Oh yeah. It's big time fragile. I'm not I'm not sure it's fragile to the upside though. I feel like it's almost fragile to the downside, like player coming in on a new team off of PD suspension. Sure. Then misses practice time with this personal issue, which I don't think there's been a reporting on what it is, what it was, death in the family right. or health issues. And now coming in and going to start his first game, they've got Jalen Waddle, who I don't think we expect to lose his role. It's been pretty strong through the first couple of weeks. Devontae Parker, I think, could lose targets, but probably not going to lose his role either. And so I would be just as surprised to see Will Fuller get like 90% of snaps as I would 30%. And so for me, that's definitely a spot I'm willing to wait and see because it's not like it's a a dream spot for the dolphins, you know, going across the country into Las Vegas for the game. Right. So what do you think about, are you, are you buying this, uh, this Derek Carr renaissance? Uh, it's been pretty impressive. Like uh, air yards have been there for the first little bit. Um, I mean, Darren Waller, like the 7,400, I guess it's okay. I just prefer to pay it for Kelsey. Um, and then I guess the hardest thing for me is I'm not necessarily buying into Henry Ruggs. I know he had the big deep play and like that. He's like a quintessential tournament type play last week. He had the, the big deep play, uh, 70 yard touchdown catch, but I'm just not willing to buy into that. So if I can't buy into the stacking pieces, it's hard for me to buy into the quarterback play. I'd probably prefer to play Justin Fields, Daniel Jones over Derek Carr. Um, I, I was interested in Kenny and Drake last week. They gave Peyton Barber more carries than Kenny Drake. So even if Josh Jacobs is out, I think Drake's okay. He's going to play the passing role. He had that through even when Jacobs was in the lineup, but just uh, another game. I'm not too excited about rostering this week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to like throw darts on rugs. You can't put Will Fuller. You're not going to put Will Fuller into a three max lineup. Are you? No, I think I will. I think I probably will. That's spicy. Because, because like, dude, I just, I've seen Will Fuller do this so many times where Will Fuller is the guy who breaks the slate. And now like literally, I mean, Will Fuller might be like, I might flip the cards over and he might be a 1% owned in some of these contests. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it is too spicy. I haven't, I haven't built anything out yet. Um, but I, I just know that my instincts last week in that game against the bills, where I was like, well, sh- they're going to throw 45 times. Like Fuller's going to do the thing. Uh, and you know, f- feel, feel a little seeing the results of that game. I feel blessed uh, that I did not go in that direction, but also, just saw that Rugs was fifty two hundred. I'm not yeah. uh, not in love with that. All right, I I literally am not going to talk about any Jets players. I not not one Jets player. Not even Corey Davis is is playable. But the Denver Broncos, we have a pretty good projection for Teddy, Cortland Sutton, two hundred fifty eight air yards last week, led the NFL. Um, you know, Tim Patrick scores the touchdown. KJ Hamler is thirty six hundred. He I think he only got two targets last week, but he played. 29 of 38 dropbacks and like he's the type of guy you know can do it on one reception i i kind of like him as a dart but i mean sutton sutton is hitting optimals in like cash builds yeah i think teddy is right there in the quarterback conversation as well like you 
can kind of pick your poison with Daniel Jones versus Justin Fields, both rushing equity, but pretty, pretty volatile, high risk plays. And then Teddy Bridgewater against the Jets, stronger team total to support it. Um, and has been, has been pretty productive. So I don't know. Bridgewater feels more like a single stack than a game stack guy, especially against the Jets, I guess. But um, I think both backs are also at least somewhat in play. Uh, Jamate Williams, 4,900, kind of similar price to what he was last week. He's actually started to overtake Melvin Gordon. He's getting more targets in the passing game than Melvin Gordon, getting slightly more carries through two weeks. It's definitely going to be a time split, but in the optimizer, I usually run that type of player on higher volatility settings. And I think in MME, uh, I'll end up with a few shares of Jamate Williams. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, I think that makes some sense. All right. And this, this game of course has the potential to be uh, a fantasy bonanza Seattle at Minnesota. You know, you know exactly what you're getting from Seattle. Chris Carson going to get all the goal line work, probably not going to be targeted very often in the passing game. You know, one of Lockett or Metcalf very, very likely to, you know, go nuclear just kind of feels like the, like it, it is what it is at this point. And then the Vikings are sort of interesting because Dalvin Cook leaves the game last Sunday with an ankle injury. Right now, we are projecting him out. Alexander Madison as the lead back. I think Madison will be very chalky uh, if he, in fact, is the starter, but pretty early in the week. Justin Jefferson, weirdly enough, Jefferson and Thielen don't look great from our projections because we're we're giving K.J. Osborne a real role. in the offense, which is not something that we've historically had to deal with, with the Jefferson Thielen duo, because the, the passing tree was so narrow there in Minnesota and Jefferson and Thielen are kind of getting it done on efficiency right now. They've combined for five touchdowns so far. So, you know, not, not, uh, not like huge volume, not like hundred yard bonuses and stuff, but I mean, Thielen, uh, Jefferson, I'm, I'm pretty interested in buying this week uh, with like, you could, I think you can even, like an interesting strategy would be one of the cheap quarterbacks. So Fields, Daniel Jones, Trevor Lawrence, single stack them, then do the the mini correlation of Jefferson and Lockett or something like that. Yeah, or DK Metcalf. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, KJ Osborne, we're only projecting for 14.5% of targets. And he's, I mean, he's actually been at 19% through two weeks. So um, we've taken down the tight end target shares quite a bit to reflect the three wide receiver formations we're seeing more from Minnesota. And I think the projections we have on these guys are fair. I don't think we're overly aggressive at all. If anything, I think you could argue there's potential game stack upside with KJ Osborne as like a, a second player alongside Jefferson or Thielen in, as part of Cousins stacks. Um, Dalvin Cook news is going to be important. It'll also be interesting to see whether or not we get that news before the slate locks, just because. I'm expecting him yeah, to be late, late game. I, I think we he'll be limited know. practice all week. Right. And then it's just a question well, just, of whether like, or not might not practice. I mean, we, yeah. we do this show before teams have even practiced. So we might, I, I actually think with Dalvin cook, we'll know if he, if he, practices, if, if they know, we'll know. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, there's Zimmer, always a chance Zimmer he'll doesn't... have to test it in warmups, but yeah, I mean, Madison, we've seen two spot starts from Madison last week, 76% of carries, 67% of carries in those two respectively. Year before that, we saw the same thing from Mike Boone. So what we've seen from Minnesota is they they lean on one guy. And if Cook's active, I think Cook will be that one guy. But if he's not, then I think Madison takes 80, 90% of Cook's projection, just himself. And um, so like at 6K, he will either be a great, 
play in general if we know he's the starter or he'll be an incredible tournament to play just because if people can't confirm for sure they might not want to lock him into their lineup so probably need to build some late swap flexibility around those two guys yeah that's uh it's a good idea late late swap again week week two running running back the, the late people gonna game. people gonna play tyler lockett this week I, they'll play him more than metcalf probably yeah I, I i always wonder about that i i felt pretty confident last week they weren't gonna play him because i think Obvious, like Metcalf, more hype coming into the season. Lock at the big week one. People are trying to do the zigzag thing and play the guy who didn't do it last week. And these two guys are just going to go off interchangeably throughout the course of the season, combining for like 65 percent of the team's targets through the first couple weeks. Um, I'm curious where the ownership plans though, because I could see people doing it another week, like not playing Lock again because they're now priced uh, essentially the same in in DK Metcalf, the more hyped player. So. Um, I mean, one of these guys each week is a pretty good play. Yeah. All right. Game, game of the week. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, I thought Seattle, Minnesota this game of the week, buddy. No. I mean, that that probably is the better fantasy game, but this is yeah. like the big NFL yeah. game of the week. Uh, I mean, it could, you know, the Buccaneers passing defense has actually been terrible. So I, I think you could argue, I think you could argue that this is maybe even a better fantasy game because, uh, it just feels like uh, feels like one of the Buccaneers wide receivers every week is just a lock to go completely nuclear. It was Evans and Godwin both had good games and Gronk had a good game. You know that they've had they've had uh, nine touchdowns so far. All have come via the pass. They've ran five plays inside the five yard line. All of them have been passes. That stuff probably regresses just a little bit. But on the other hand, don't doesn't it just feel like Bruce Arians is like, Brady, just do whatever you want to. Like, if you want all these records, just like do it. Like, what do I care about Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones? Like, if you want to throw 10 touchdowns to your your buddy, Red Zone, Robbie G, then then go ahead and do it. Like, I, I think it's kind of sustainable in a way that the numbers would suggest is extremely not sustainable. Then on the other side, a couple question marks. One, Daryl Henderson's health. Uh, you know, if Daryl Henderson is to not play Sony Michelle is 4,900 unclear how much they'd play Jake funk. And then, I mean, Cooper cup has a 38% target share through two games breaks the slate last week. Feels like he will probably be one of the most popular plays in cash this week. But I I'm wondering if $5,700 Robert Woods ends up sem- like not forgotten about in tournaments, but if he has, if, if Robert Woods is half as owned as cup, that does feel like a buying spot, but maybe that's just me being stubborn. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly how we have it projected right now. Robert Woods being about half as owned as Cooper cup. And um, I think the Darrell Henderson, Sony Michelle thing, if Henderson's active, I still think Michelle will play a bit more than he did the opening week when it was all Henderson. Cause uh, I think they'll at least spell him a little bit, but it wouldn't be surprising at all if McVay does something similar to what we saw with the Cowboys and Dak Prescott and just lets Matt Stafford drop back rather than trying to run Sonny Michelle and an injured Henderson into the Tampa Bay front seven. So um, I, I could see a scenario where like the run pass ratio ends up lopsided for the Rams in this game and they end up going very pass heavy. So uh, I do think that brings Robert Woods into play and, I know Cup has seen a dominant target share with a new quarterback through the first two weeks, but this is still an offense that has always consistently had both Cup and Robert Woods hovering between like 23 and 27% of the targets. And I just have to believe when the season ends, even if Cup's an alpha with like 27 to 30% target share, that Robert Woods ends up with 23 to 25%. They're not using four wide receivers either. So the, the plays have been relatively bunched between Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, 
They haven't used Deshaun Jackson at all, and they've used Van Jefferson a, a healthy amount, more than 80% of the team snaps. So I think they're all on the field, and eventually Robert Woods will kind of get his too. Yeah, I, I think that makes the most sense. So let's uh, if, if Daryl Henderson does play, do you view him as a strong play? I mean, he, he played again last week, a hundred percent of the snaps in the first half. Uh, and then actually Jake Funk came in before Sony Michelle, before Daryl Henderson got banged up in that game. Um, so I, but you know, now that Henderson has been banged up, maybe they, tr- they consciously use more Sony Michelle or so whatever. We, we saw it like a bit last year too. Cause I mean, Henderson, he was banged up in training camp, but, but last year we saw the Rams throughout the course of the season, shift from Malcolm Brown to acres to Henderson or to Henderson to acres and using a rotation at all times. And so I, I just feel like coming into this game, even if Henderson's active, that he's going to start to seed at least some of that work. Um, and it, it's just a tough rushing matchup. I guess Henderson definitely preferred over Michelle just because he will be used more in the passing game, but I think I would probably end up off of both running backs. Yeah. I think that seems about right. What about Tampa Bay wide receivers? So Godwin, just Godwin every week, you know, uh, and, and you can pick your spots. Like, and obviously I think you want to be double stacking Brady at this point, like Brady, Brady, uh, Evans, Godwin. AB is 5,200. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so obviously the reaction after week one was, Oh my God, Antonio Brown is back. He's prime AB. He gets one target in the second week of the season. And I think probably as is most of the time, the case, the preseason analysis is right, which is that Antonio Brown is the third most valuable fantasy wide receiver there, but the ownership will be good on him. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, though, these offenses, Tampa Bay is one of them. Pittsburgh is one of them since he's one of them. And it's hard to get pinned down in a given week. It's definitely going to be a bit like whack-a-mole, but same reason we thought Mike Evans was a good play last week is why I think Antonio Brown could be a good play this week. And I don't know who Jalen Ramsey will guard. I know I'm not big into studying the wide receiver cornerback matchups, but I feel pretty confident it would be Mike Evans or Chris Godwin over Antonio Brown, especially because of the size profile with Mike Evans. So just another little hand in the dirt, maybe a, a tip of the cap to Antonio Brown being one of the top options to correlate with Brady teams this week. Yeah. Uh, all right, everyone, that is going to do it for us here on the show. Remember, if you've not downloaded Underdog Fantasy, you can go and do that right now. The link is in the description to the show, or you can just download it on iOS, Google Play, wherever. Deposit using the promo code GRID. Get a free wager inside of the Pick'em game, and I will be back tomorrow with Hayden from Underdog Fantasy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.